Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. If we're going to do a talk show about a library, this is the song that you've got to open with, right? A song about writing paperbacks. The Fab Four Beatles kicking off this week's Spotlight Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080. Of course, the famous paperback writer. Well, if you've been listening to WTIC all week long, you've heard the promotion that we're going to be talking about a dispute over what to do with a very old library building, the 1913 New Canaan Library. And you might be wondering, Morgan, how did you come up with this topic? And how did you think up this talk show? And what's it even going to be all about? WTIC has a signal that covers all of Connecticut, and maybe there are parts of the state where the signal's stronger than other parts, but we cover all of Connecticut and then some. And so I like to take advantage of this signal and try to get to parts of the state that maybe we don't get to during the week, or maybe our other talk shows don't always necessarily talk about. And there is a bigger picture idea that's going on with this talk show that really is focusing on New Canaan, but there are aspects of this that can apply to all communities in Connecticut and frankly, all communities in the United States of America. So how did I discover this? Well, I'm down in Fairfield County quite a bit, hang out there, I do some business there and and all of that, and I know some folks down there. And I heard this maybe a few months ago, that there's a dispute going on in New Canaan because a brand new library was built, and this new library was opened up, and there's an old library just behind and right next to that building. I guess it depends on how you're looking at the property. It's either right behind it or right next to it. In any case, they don't know quite what to do with this old building. They want to repurpose it. They're going to save it to some degree. Um, But how? Do they keep it in the same location? Do they move it? What do they use this building for? Are they going to create a town green of some kind with the land that is around the building? But, you know, it didn't necessarily dawn on me that it could be a talk show until two things happened. If you remember a few weeks ago on Spotlight Connecticut, we talked about an issue that's going on in Preston and Norwich. What to do with the old Norwich State Hospital? A number of buildings that were left basically to fall apart when the state of Connecticut shut down that facility in 1996. And here it is nearly 30 years later, and it's still a big problem in the community. A lot of blight. There's remediation going on. There's been vandalism, and the buildings basically haven't been able to be repurposed. Maybe one or two of them that is still there can be repurposed, but that's yet to be seen. And so that was the focus of our talk show a few weeks ago. And when I went on Facebook just several days ago, maybe a week ago now, I saw a post about saving the old 1913 New Canaan Library. And I saw a picture. There's fencing wrapped around the building. And there's several signs that say, Danger, Demolition in Progress. And they were arguing what to do with this building. And there were some, I don't know, 200 or 250 comments on this one post. And I said, that's it. We've got us a talk show. And so I was able to put together a panel of four people, Neely Banks Sticknoth, Wes Haynes, Penny Young, and Susan Servan. All four of them are in some way connected to the New Canaan Preservation Alliance. It's a group that is devoted to preserving history across New Canaan, but of course in this episode we're focusing on the 1913 library, which they want to see the building saved, they want to see it preserved, they want to see its history respected, they want to see it useful in the community, not just sitting there, not just rotting for a number of years, but they want to see it, in fact, preserved and used in some way that is respectable. But the bigger picture issue here is not necessarily, okay, that this is going on in New Canaan, but there are other communities in Connecticut and the United States faced with this exact same issue. 
That issue is, okay, it's 2023, and we have buildings in town that are used for town purposes or community purposes that are old, that date back 100-plus years. Of course, you want to modernize, get a new facility, but pay respect to the old facilities. Find a use for it. Don't waste it. That's what's happening here in New Canaan. And it serves as some kind of an example or a reminder that, hey, this can happen in your own neighborhood too. They want this property used for the community, but they also want to make sure that that linkage to the early 1900s is still there. And that is the bigger picture of this week's Spotlight Connecticut. And we're going to talk about just how this is working out in New Canaan, how they're accomplishing it, and the challenges that they're having as well on Spotlight Connecticut. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm John Hiller from Granby, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm Morgan Cunningham on Spotlight Connecticut, and this week we are focusing on the new Canaan Library and a dispute over what to do with the old library facility now that the new one has been built and it has been opened to the public And the question is what to do with this old building and the land on which it sits for new recreational purposes. And this is a story that can be echoed all across Connecticut, all across the country, honestly, because New Canaan is not the only place that is dealing with this kind of situation or question. And I'd like to start with a brief history on what the library is. If we were to go back to 1913, when it had its beginning, and we go back to the roots in the early 1900s, as New Canaan kind of starts this transition from being a rural community over to be a community that is more New York City suburb-focused. Wes Haynes is with us to kind of help talk about that history a little bit. I guess, Wes, that all of this really started to get underway, the development of New Canaan, that is, when the New York Central Railroad was improved and electrified in the early 1900s, right around the turn of the century. It was built at a time when New Canaan was transitioning from a very rural place with a sort of a local leather working industry um, into a fashionable resort. And so it becomes an attractive spot for daily commuters. The population jumps between 1900 and 1910. And so all these new full-time residents come in, middle-class people come in um, and start buying up farmland from the, the, the old uh, proprietors of New Canaan. And there's a kind of a culture difference between the old timers in New Canaan and the newcomers. The newcomers are coming in with urban ideas. Uh, the old timers are pretty set in their ways. Um, The community really wants to build a new library building at that point. And this becomes the project that kind of brings those two different cultures together um, in a common purpose. New Canaan didn't have a single philanthropist that could uh, just write out a check and make a memorial to their father or or mother. So um, the community really had to scrape together a lot of money from a lot of different sources. And um, uh, they, they pulled together in this. They, they threw all sorts of really novel fundraisers. So they pulled together the resources um, that they had, and they had modest resources. They couldn't build a very lavish uh, library like some of the other communities. Um, but they had, uh, among the newcomers in town, were six architects who um, were living in New Canaan and commuting to their, their offices in New York. They all volunteered to enter into a design competition uh, for the design of the new library. And um, this this committee, comprised of newcomers and old-timers, selected the design with the advice of William Boring, 
the architect of the main pavilion at Ellis Island, the really spectacular uh, uh, building that was considered, won all sorts of international awards when it was built in the early 20th century. And so it's a monument of a type that I don't think any community in their right mind would want to part with or want to harm in any way. Wes Haynes talking about how the New Canaan Library came to be and what its original purpose was. And Wes, by the way, is the executive director of the Merritt Parkway Conservancy, and he's deeply involved in the history of New Canaan locally. We're talking about what happened in New Canaan with this library, why they've ended up building a brand new one, and some of the controversy that is surrounding that new facility, particularly what to do with the old historic building. And we have somebody here who can talk about that transition that happened in the last 10 or so years. And it's something that is obviously going on now in New Canaan, but this applies to libraries nationwide. Let's bring on Penny Young of the Town Council in New Canaan. Penny, welcome to Spotlight, Connecticut. We're in the 21st century, and I'd like you to explain this shift in what public libraries are all about and what that led to specifically in New Canaan. I would say probably 10 years ago or so, uh, as I understand the um, thinking that was going through with libraries, is we all are very aware that the whole concept of a library was changing as things became more digital uh, and there was less of a borrow and lending uh, relationship in libraries across the United States. So the National Library Association contracted with the Aspetuck uh, Institute to do a massive uh, nationwide study of libraries, what they are, who they are, why they are, what their function is, and so forth. And what came out of that rather sizable report was the fact that libraries' identities indeed have changed, and they needed to recreate a new identity. And this new identity is to be the center of communities. In other words, this is now shifting from a place where you just get books, for instance, and read from an encyclopedia over to a community center where maybe you have, obviously, the book aspect, but you also have things that unite social elements like, say, a coffee shop. The whole focus of the library now is to be the center of the town, the intellectual center, the social uh, center, the recreation center, and so forth. Uh, so they have indeed recreated who they are and the role they have within a community. So in order to do that, they needed to have a different structure that then reflected how one comes in and out of a library, the various functions and different components um, in the library. So to have what we had, which was an aging building, uh, instead of redesigning what we had, it was then determined by the trustees to build a whole new one which addressed today's world. I want to get the money question out of the way because before we talk about the old structure and what to do about it and why there's a debate over it, I want to understand where the library is getting its money from because like in other parts of Connecticut, New Canaan's not alone here, the library is actually a private entity but has funding coming from the town. I would say from both the taxpayer and the library perspective, it, it works well. 
the library owns the property on which the library sits, okay? And the, over the years, as the relationship with the taxpayer has grown, the financial commitment to the library from the taxpayers has grown from, I would say, maybe started about 60%, and it is now a healthy 75% of their operating expenses supported by the taxpayers. And then they raise another multiple hundred thousands uh, for some additional programming support that's not operations uh, related. And it's an interesting relationship because though the taxpayers fund 75% of the library, we don't have any control and influence on their programming or how their operations proceed. And that's Penny Young. She's a town councilor in the town of New Canaan talking about the library being replaced and what to do with this old library that we have built in 1913. And the town is up in arms over this, saying that we've got to save this somehow and find a new purpose for it. Let's talk about the cost of this new library, because this is a staggering number. Penny, could you talk about the dollars and cents tied up in this new building? Let's just use round numbers, $40 million. And the town taxpayers have committed uh, $10 million. Prior to that, there was a um, neighboring building uh, structure that the library really needed to design uh, on that square. Um, and the town paid um, 475000 of the, in the library, another million to buy that piece of property. So it's four seventy-five plus $10 million. There's a chunk of change, shall we say, from the taxpayers involved in today's structure. If I understand correctly, the 1913 building, which is right next to the brand new building, and the 1913 building also has some additions that are attached to it that are coming down, that are being demolished. But as far as saving that original 1913 structure, it's not slated to be torn down and destroyed but there are things that are going to basically alter the building and its functionality, if I understand correctly. I don't know if anybody could explain that for me. Maybe we could talk with Neely Banks-Sticknoth. She's with the New Canaan Preservation Alliance. It is not going to be torn down. They are going to take down the 1977 edition. They're going to take down the 1950s edition. They're going to take off the 1936 edition. And then they're going to take off the back of the 1913 edition. We're going to be left with this one long rectangle, and then they're going to put it on wheels and roll it over to another section of their property. That's the goal, and that's what they have they presented to <coughs> Planning and Zoning as their solution to preservation, and that was approved. We, they started out saying they were going to demolish the entire building. So do we consider this a win? No, but at least we will have some portion of the building. And there is no reason why it still has to be moved. But we had said, the New Canaan Preservation Alliance said that if the 1913 library stayed in situ, that we would raise the money and preserve it. And we have a lot of preservation architects on our board, and we were going to be able to do the work and preserve the building and repurpose it uh, and, and have it be able to be used for, for something else that could be wonderful for New Canaan. So, Neely, from your perspective, why isn't that being considered? They're going to cut the building in half, make it weather tight, and then push it over to the Gulf Station 
uh, on the other side of the property. And it's going to sit there like that until they can raise the money to to somehow renovate the uh, interior. Now, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about 1,200 square feet. That's what we're down to now. So what it takes to actually bring services and, you know, sheetrock and re redo the floors of a 1,200 square foot building, why that's become such an issue. You know, our feeling is, are they ever going to get to it? One plan, Neely, is to move the building and turn the rest of the lot into some kind of a town green area. Another idea is to keep the building as is and renovate a green around it. What are the feasibilities of those plans? Because our solution was something that costs a, a, a little over a million dollars in order to keep it in place and for it to be a usable building will be the 2,400 square feet. Their idea is to cut it in half, move it over to the Gulf Station, so now it's 1,200 square feet, and by the time they finish, that's going to be three point. Six million dollars was the last number on that, and it's still not usable. So uh, it's it's complicated because the town taxpaying residents pay seventy five percent of the operating cost. We're like, how do you rectify spending that kind of money to make a building that's beautiful and is our history into something that's unusable? And who knows what it will look like by the time we're done. As far as saving the building, Neely, if it were to stay in the same place, or even if it's moved, what are options for the physical structure itself? Because it almost sounds like there's not much that can be done with it, but of course there are options, and a feasibility study determined that, yes, things can be done with this old site if it is preserved and if it is renovated correctly. So what are some of the options that we can run down here? What we were proposing was that it be remain, remain as a standalone building to help create an actual campus. And we would repurpose the building and it could, have, it could be a, it, a completely separate function from whatever the library is doing. It did not have to be an annex to the library. It could be part of the library if that's what they, you know, however they want it to work. We saw it as being some kind of cultural venue that uh, if they wanted to do things in this green, it would be really helpful to have a, a spot that we, we showed some glass folding doors on the back so that the whole thing could open up and, and you could have any kind of recital or, or you know, readings or whatever it was, and people who could sit out on the green and, and take advantage of that. I will let everybody know as we head into the break that we, in fact, have reached out to the New Canaan Library for comment. However, we have not received comment at this time. So I did reach out. I didn't want this to be a hit piece. I think that it actually has been a fairly neutral conversation thus far and will remain so. But we did reach out for comment. We did not hear back. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I always enjoy my trips down to Fairfield County. In this case, it was for Spotlight Connecticut talking about what's going on with the 1913 New Canaan Library. That conversation is going to roll on. But I will say, as we get into the beautiful warm weather and the summer months, we had a taste of summer, didn't we? At the end of this week and even kind of today a little bit. So we've had some great temperatures, some great sunshine. And so I want to just let everybody know that if you do want to take a day trip and you want to go to Fairfield County, you want to stop into New Canaan, there's so much that you can do and explore. A lot of food, a lot of culture, a lot of activities, um, a lot of walking around. There's a lot of downtown area where you can just kind of walk up and down Elm Street and Main Street and all of that and just explore a little bit. And when I'm down there, there's a store that I like to check out. It's called Adirondack. Now, I will tell everybody that this is not a paid message. 
This is not an endorsement. This is not an ad. This is just my little fun product review. So if you do take a little day trip this summer and you want to explore a little bit, Adirondack has so many knickknacks in it, um, everything from soaps to wine glasses to pancake mix. Yes, I get my pancake mix from there. I mean, I will eat Hungry Jack or Aunt Jemima or any of those, but this place, Adirondack in New Canaan, has, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a vanilla cake. This pancake batter, um, it smells like you're baking a cake when you're mixing up this batter, but it doesn't taste that sweet. It's not overly sweet. I think it's just right for a pancake mix. And so this is something that I think you should check out. I will let you know it is on the pricier side, but it is worth checking out, getting a bag, and saving it for when you have that special Sunday morning breakfast, for when you have friends over or you have family over. Um, that's that's what I use this bag for. I mean, I've got several bags of it. I don't make pancakes all the time, mostly because I'm not home much in the morning because, you know, I'm on during Brian and Company and some Saturday mornings as well, so I don't always get the chance to make a breakfast. But when I do, I always like to have a bag of this on hand, especially when, you know, I've got my mom and dad around and we're having a family breakfast. And so that's one thing to check out. Um, also, a number of parks that are just absolutely beautiful to explore and check out some of that architecture. So New Canaan, it is a place to be. Of course, if you want to get in touch with me, it's easy to do. My email address, anybody can email me at any time, morgan.cunningham at odyssey.com. I'll spell it for you. M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey.com. I'll spell that as well. I'd love to hear from you. M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Odyssey.com. The conversation's going to continue with the library, but to be honest with you, I wonder if this breaks long enough for me to make some pancakes. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Aaron in Stamford, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Woo! Our conversation continues this week on Spotlight Connecticut about the issues surrounding the 1913 New Canaan Library, the original old library that still stands, although there's dispute over just how it should remain standing and what it should be used for going down the line now that a brand new, nearly $40 million library has been built for current day programming, which is not necessarily just going there and loaning out books and taking books and returning books or getting information from encyclopedias, but is more of a community center. And one person we haven't talked to yet this week on Spotlight Connecticut for this big panel conversation we're having is Susan Servin. She's part of the New Canaan Preservation Alliance. Susan, I think you have something to say about current attendance at libraries nationally, not just in New Canaan, and what that might mean for the old facility. Library usage numbers have been dropping, and my understanding is that each library has to report to the state the number of people that come in, in and mm -hmm. out through the doors. So there's usually a large focus on making sure that a lot of people go in and out of, of the library. And uh, in addition, a local private school that's going to be closing now has been using our you know public library for their school's library, which is great because they didn't have to have a library, but that probably boosted the numbers. So it's less about books now and it's more about community. Um, so they've put in a coffee shop and that type of thing, you know, possibly to boost numbers. Also with us on Spotlight Connecticut is Neely Banks Sicknock. She's the president of the board of the New Canaan Preservation Alliance. 
for three years now, Neely, you have been working to try to fight the bureaucracy here and come up with a compromise on preserving the 1913 building while getting the town involved in all of this. For three years, that's a lot of effort. We have tried everything. You know, we uh, we have sent out postcards. We have we actually had uh, some litigation against the library in their planning and zoning process. We have, uh, you know, just we've been out there on the on the sidewalk getting uh, names and and petitions and all of that. But none of it matters because the building is owned by the board of the library and the property is owned by the board of the library. And even though we give 75% of the operating costs to them every year, they still have the final say on it. Um, and they're, they are not convinced. How seriously does the town of New Canaan take its history and the preservation of history in town? Because when you think of Connecticut, we're one of the oldest states in the nation. And some of our towns go back hundreds of years, and they're very concerned about how historic buildings and landmarks are treated. Penny Young, you're on the town council. Any insight? It's a very interesting concept when you when you look at the buildings that exist in the town of New Canaan, because we have a quite a deep sense of history, not only just in the number of years that we have been a parish growing into a town, but in the age of some of our buildings. And then we go through the mid-century moderns and we have very contemporary homes today and we all live in harmony with one another and respect each other's role in, in history. Uh, I had had, um, and, and the town council been charged with analyzing in all 56 buildings that the town owns and a number of them are very old historic buildings. And they all, every single year, are part of the budget and are maintained with great care and respect for age. In fact, I myself took one of the buildings and renovated it. It's now used as a community center for adults and their, their programming. So there is this mindset of we take our history and respect it and use it into the future. And so why this building that is owned not by the town but by the library doesn't enjoy the same respect is really a puzzlement to all of us. Again, going back to Neely Bank's Sticknock, run down some more ideas. What could this building be used for? Any other ideas? We actually hired a feasibility study expert when we first got involved three years ago. And his attitude, he came down from Boston, he's like, this building is beautiful. It can be anything. I mean, it was limitless as to what it could be. When we went through the process of trying to come up with a design, uh, we wound up doing these beautiful glass doors that fold in the back so that the whole thing can open up. And, and in that sense, it could, could indeed be some kind of cultural center. It could be um, meeting facilities. We did have a, someone who has an extensive art collection was willing to donate all of his art to be, to be shown there. Uh, we then thought that could be a future of many residents who do have art showing their work. Uh, options are absolutely unlimited, but it has to have a certain capacity to it for it to be a usable building. And Ely, you've also been an advocate for a green way to restore this facility and bring it back into the community so that there is no waste or very minimal waste. 
to repurpose the building. It's the green way to handle all of this. Because everything that we demolish is going, you know, into some some landfill in Alabama somewhere, you know, and it's just it's just not right when this building is beautiful and usable and in great condition. Neely, it's been tough, hasn't it, to keep people really excited about this issue over three years. Yes, there is a level of excitement and there is a level of broader concern, which we're going to get to what this story, what this situation in New Canaan means for other towns in Connecticut, for other towns across the country. But it has been a challenge because this advocacy has taken three years. People get very busy here. You know, they're, we are a community with, with, of families, and when the school year's happening, everyone just, you know, they, they have a million things on their agenda. So it's very, very difficult to really get people fired up and stay fired up for three years. So, you know, it, we, we kind of go through... Um, uh, cycle through people and then it will start up again and, and things will happen. We, we did some major letter writing campaigns and which is why the attitude in town had started to change because it originally everyone thought well it's the library they're giving us this gift of a new library you know how can we put any demands on that and over time uh, our town government began to realize wait a minute our residents do care about this so the prop, but again, the problem is how do you, the, the process of getting things to change is very difficult because, because the, it's a private property and it's a private building on a private property, even though we pay 75% of the operating costs. And I guess that's not very unusual in Connecticut that, that, that libraries are not necessarily municipal libraries. They are privately owned and then supported uh, by the town. And that's where we are. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Spotlight Connecticut talking about the old 1913 New Canaan Library and exactly what could possibly be happening to it. And we're going to tie this all together in a moment and tell everybody what the big picture here is and how this applies to other parts of Connecticut and also other parts of the country. But Penny, going back to our town councilor from New Canaan, I've got to ask you, what do you see happening next? I'd like to say that there are, there's an opportunity to still save um, the building. Uh, unfortunately, there's nothing really, really immediate that the town, capital T, you know, government has to um, uh, make a decision on. There are some possibilities that are being discussed that would require a town uh, government decision. And so then part of that decision could have as a, you know, condition, the preservation uh, of 1913. Uh, somehow we need to convince the library trustees um, that they could actually benefit in many ways by preserving the building. The attitude in the town among the citizenry would look more uh, favorably upon the library for their annual giving um, if the library has been part and parcel of the community and respecting you know our history so uh, hopefully there'll be some opportunities coming up that um, the town can put a condition that you've got to reserve the building it would seem to me that at some point in time perhaps many years in the past something was missed it would seem to me that there was a decision that could have been made on how to preserve this library that just didn't happen or nobody thought about it 
or people didn't think that down the line it would be a problem. But here we are today, and it is. And the New Canaan Library is not the only facility that has fallen victim to this as a historic place. You can look at so many other places that are marked as historic, but they were never repurposed or they weren't preserved properly. Case in point, the show from a few weeks ago that we did on the Norwich State Hospital. And so my question is, Penny, for anybody that's listening that wants to make a difference in their local town, whether they're part of the government or not, what would your advice be to them to preserve another local property, another landmark, for possibly not being preserved to the fullest potential? Get on top of it early. Well, obviously, there's a lot of time that goes into this. If you had to estimate, how much time have you put in? Anybody? Neely Banks? Penny? I can't even begin to tally. I mean, it has been nonstop for all of our board and and, uh, Penny and several other people. It's been nonstop for three years. And we all have jobs. Let's bring on Wes Haynes now. We talked with him earlier in the program. What do you think, Wes, on the issue of preservation down the line and getting it all set up in order now rather than figuring it out at last minute many years in the future? If a town does have a library that's facing an uncertain future, uh, Connecticut has a really good historic preservation statute uh, for designating local landmarks. And this probably should have been done with the library years ago. Um, It wasn't done. Uh, And uh, it requires passing a local ordinance, just saying, you know, we're setting up a committee to oversee the future of this building and to protect it. There are very few communities that have actually taken down their libraries, only two in the uh, 21st century so far. The other was Bridgeport. Uh, Bridgeport surplus. They, they actually owned their library. They put it on the market. They sold it to a private developer who promised to keep the building. He ended up not being able to fulfill that promise. Um, he demolished it. It's replaced with a one-story concrete auto parts store now. It was an absolutely beautiful building. So uh, Bridgeport is a little bit different in terms of the demographics and the economic wealth of the town. But if any town in the state wants to really, or any community of people want to protect their libraries, um, uh, I would say get it designated as a local landmark. And most libraries have incorporated the libraries, the historic libraries within their new development plans that could have been easily done here as well. Ridgefield is is sort of a a poster child for how to do that. They made a nice little glass uh, passageway that lets you in very easily, and the old library, which is a little bit smaller than New Canaan's building, um, is now a really beautiful reading room. Uh, You know, if you just want to go and get into a different space to to read periodicals, um, it's it's an absolutely great experience to to do that. Um, That could have happened here. But, um, you know, the feasibility study we did um, basically said it would work for, as, as Neely said, a number of purposes. Um, it, as a fallback condition, several libraries around New England have been uh, converted this size into really high-end uh, Airbnbs that generate revenue for the nonprofit institution. Spend a weekend in New Canaan, spend a lot of money on Main Street, uh, take advantage of the library uh, next door, and just have a really wonderful experience. Um, that could have worked. That, that, that was actually one of the leading reuses of possibilities. And, it's, and there's, there are numbers of other communities around New England in communities that aren't as wealthy or as attractive as New Canaan is or as close to New York City, a metropolitan area linked by railroad. 
So the model works in places that are even harder to get to. Last question, and maybe Susan, you could help us with this. What's the contact information? Where can people go to learn a little bit more about this controversy and the project and maybe get an idea how to go about preserving something else someplace else? Susan? If you go to 1913library.org, that's the direct link, and um, that links to the New Canaan Preservation Alliance.org as well. So lots of information there. The 1913library.org website has all the plans for what the New Canaan Preservation Alliance has come up with, um, with the, you know, if I could say nano wall, the glass wall, and the restoration of the building, and this really great repurposing solution that would be sustainable. And I mean, it's, it really seemed like, as somebody who's not an architect, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to reuse the building and a beautiful solution. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at uh, friends of our 1913library.org. Big thank you to our panel of participants for this conversation about the 1913 New Canaan Library and overall historic preservation, no matter what town you're in. Neely Banks-Sticknock, Wes Haynes, Penny Young, and Susan Servan. Again, big thank you to all of you for being part of this Spotlight Connecticut. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.